This morning, we will be uh, trying a slightly different format than what you're used to. We'll use the screen a lot, and it's a different type of sermon format for me, so I'll be stepping out of my comfort zone, and by the end of this, you'll know that maybe you should too. So uh, that'll work out quite nicely. Uh, around Valentine's Day, there's lots of candy that we tend to give each other, at least as school children, we give each other. And Laura, my wife, being a school teacher, brought home a lot of candy at Valentine's Day. And she told me that I could have my pick of it, and then she'd take the rest back for her prize win at school. And there was some to take back. I didn't take all of it. Uh, but one thing that was noticeably absent was conversation hearts. Uh, the Neko Candy Company had some stuff going on, and the conversation hearts that we uh, tend to think about uh, weren't available this year. But other companies stepped in, and they made their versions of conversation hearts, and one of those companies was the Sour Patch Kids Company, um, and they made Sour Patch conversation hearts, and the messages matched. Um, <laughs> They were rather sour. And the one I saw over and over and over again as I was eating these was friend zone. Now, if you're not familiar with the term friend zone, it's not nearly as nice as it sounds. Um, the friend zone is actually terrifying for many young men. Um, it defines, uh, puts limits on a relationship. A young man will go up to a young lady and say, hey, I really like you. Would you like to go out with me? Would you like to go see a movie, go to dinner? And they say, oh, I just think of us as friends. That's the friend zone. Um, so here's the Google definition of friend zone. It's a situation in which a friendship exists between two people, one of whom has an unreciprocated romantic interest in the other. Um, it's basically the modern day version of unrequited love. And so being in the friend zone or being friend zoned, the verb form, um, not ideal for, uh, for folks. So that was what was on the heart, uh, conversation heart from the Sour Patch Company. So in other words, if you're in the friend zone, the person establishes uh, this zone and they say, I'm going to limit our relationship to a friendship rather than risk it for something more. In most cases, that turns out to be really good because somebody else comes along and it's all great, so don't worry about it. But <laughs> Uh, some of you may even be in a friend zone now, or you've been in a friend zone, or you have family members who have been in a friend zone, and, and you know what that's like. I've been there. Life went on. I'm okay. Um, but now I'm married. I'm not in the friend zone, and uh, there is still a zone that affects me. There is still a zone that limits me, and that's my comfort zone. My comfort zone. It's a zone that's very limiting. It means I do what's comfortable for me a lot, and if it's something that falls outside of that zone, I tend to do it very little, if at all. And really, if I'm in the comfort zone and I'm thinking about doing something outside my comfort zone, I'll rationalize it to pieces. I'll do everything I can to talk myself to stay in that comfort zone. I'm going to tell myself everything that could happen, everything that could go wrong, and eventually I end up just staying in my comfort zone even longer. So let's define comfort zone. It's a set of limits we put on ourselves to preserve our comfort rather than take a risk for something more. We limit ourselves to preserve our comfort rather than take a risk for something more. And I don't mean healthy limits. I don't mean limits of, of personal safety and security. I simply mean we limit ourselves instead of 
trying for something more. Uh, if you're like me, you, you do that and then you regret it later. You think, man, I wish I would have done that. Why didn't I just, this time, why didn't I just step out and give it a try? But here's the thing. Uh, as much as we like to do that, God never called us to be comfortable. God never called us to be comfortable. And there's a reason for that. The reason is comfort assumes no risk. Comfort assumes absolutely no risk. And so if we're presented with a situation, um, here's how our comfort zone allows us to interact with it. If we're comfortable and we hear of something, uh, we'll talk about what should be done. We'll talk about um, whatever it may be. We'll read about it. We'll nod in agreement when somebody else talks about it. We'll even applaud those who do whatever it is we're not willing to do because that's comfortable. We can do all of that from the safety of our comfort zone. But what's uncomfortable is actually doing it. What's uncomfortable is actually doing it. Now, Jesus told us something that we were supposed to do, and it's something we affirm, something we agree with, but few of us step out of our comfort zone and actually do it. Few of us are willing to assume the risk involved. Here's what you and I tend to affirm, yet avoid. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And that's straight from the Bible. That's from Matthew 28. In fact, you know this. You know this is called the Great Commission. And it's called the It's called the, there we go, because it's the marching orders from Jesus to his disciples. It's what Jesus told these men to do. And we love it. We affirm it. We teach it to our kids. We go over it as adults. We love it. We nod our heads. We clap our hands. We applaud the people who are doing it. We all agree we should do it. The problem is typically we don't do it. We've comfort zoned our Christianity. We say, yeah, it's not comfortable to talk about things like that. I'm not comfortable doing that. And we've comfort zoned our Christianity. That which Jesus commanded us to do, we don't do because we tell ourselves it's something we can't do, that I can't do. But here's the thing. Comfort zones don't just limit our risk. Comfort zones also limit our reward. Comfort zones don't just limit our risk, they also limit our reward. And you know this. Let me give you an example. Zip lining. Zip lining. I know I could experience thrill and exhilaration, feel the wind through my hair. <laughs> if I would go down the zip line. But my comfort zone limits my reward. My comfort zone keeps me from taking that risk, so I never experience that reward. In investing, some of you are, are, are heavily involved in finances and there are some risks you won't take even though the reward could be great because we understand the difference between smart investing and gambling. And in the same way, a comfort zone Christianity limits what will risk on God. A comfort zone Christianity limits what will risk on God so it also limits our enjoyment and knowledge of God. Because risking something on God 
It develops our faith in such a way that we get to experience more and more and more of him. But if we've comfort zoned our faith and we won't step out of that, we won't risk for God, then we never experience that growing relationship, that deepening faith, that greater love. Dr. Allman, I've mentioned him before. If you're in the uh, Genesis study with me on Tuesday mornings, we talked about this. It was a great moment in the class. He says this about taking risk. In the midst of risking something on God, you may be hurt, but you will not be damaged. In the midst of that hurt, you will find out how faithful God is. That will deepen your love for him, enabling you to risk more so that you learn more of the faithfulness of God, which will deepen your love for him, enabling you to risk more for him, which continues the cycle. Let's look at that uh, graphically. That's a lot of words. In other words, the more you're willing to risk on God the more you'll come to know his faithfulness. And the more you know his faithfulness, the more you'll be able to love him. And the more you love God, the more you'll be able to risk for God. And it just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats. And you say, well, that sounds really good, but how do we know that from the Bible? All through the Bible, we're told that God does impossible things. We're told that God does impossible things. He's the God of the impossible. That's the kind of God we need to risk on. In fact, just one verse, also from the Gospel of Matthew, says, yes, by all means, maximize your joy. How? For the sake of love, risk being reviled and persecuted and lied about, for your reward is great in heaven. Risk it. Risk being reviled and persecuted and lied about. For your reward is great in heaven. And there's so many other verses like this that tell us to risk on God. But there's something else we need to know about comfort zones as well. Comfort zones don't just limit the the risk and reward. They also tend to limit our perspective. Comfort zones limit our perspective. We don't see the whole picture when we're in our comfort zone. In fact, look at the Great Commission again. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. We know that. Many of you may have memorized that. And we read this and we tend to think things like this. What if it ruins my relationship with a person? Or I won't know what to say. Who am I to tell them how to live? If they really want to know, they'll ask me. And all the while we fail to realize that our perspective has been limited, we're not seeing the whole picture. Because this is the part that calls us to do something. But there's more to the Great Commission than just this. See, Jesus knew his audience. When he told the disciples to do this, he knew what they were like. He knew what they needed. He knew what what they were uh, likely to do. And Jesus knows you too. Jesus knows you. He knows about comfort zones. He knows that we tend to not step outside of them. So let's look at the whole picture of this command. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end 
of the age. And immediately we see two game-changing, comfort zone-shattering details. Two things we learn from this. One, Jesus has all the authority. Jesus has all the authority. And number two, he is with us. And not just is he with us, but that word lo, lo, I am with you always, is the Greek way of emphasizing something. He wants that to be emphasized. He is with us. He's not asking us to go do this alone. He's with us. We know he's sending the Holy Spirit, and we know that now we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus emphasizes the point that we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. And if that's the case, he makes it worth the risk. He makes it worth the risk. If I'm going to leave my comfort zone, this is the kind of assurance I need. Personally, this is what I need. I need to know that Jesus has all the authority, and I need to know that he's not going to leave me alone while I do it. He didn't just give us a command. He gave us the assurance of follow-through. You could probably pick just about any hobby, and you know the importance of follow-through. Sports, you know the importance of follow-through. You see something to completion. He gives us the assurance to not just read this, we can actually do it and follow it through. We can accept the risk because he blows all of our excuses out of the water. I think this is the most important part of this whole great commission because it, it's where we decide to actually do it. There can be and there have been sermons that go into detail about the other parts of the verse, baptizing them and, and teaching them, and, and that needs to be done. We need to get to that part, but we've got to take the first step first. We've got to step out of our comfort zone, or else the rest of it doesn't matter. So let's turn this back to you. The next time you have the opportunity to tell somebody about Christ, maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's an ongoing process. You've been praying for these people and you're trying to talk to them. There are so many easy ways we can talk ourselves out of it. Like I said, we can talk ourselves back into our comfort zone so we don't risk anything. But ask these two simple questions. Number one, who has more authority, me or Jesus? Going off of the verse, all authority was given to Jesus, doesn't say anything about authority for me. All authority was given to Jesus when he commanded us to do it. He has the authority to command it, and he has the authority to see it through. Number two, am I doing this on my own? Well, no. It says, lo, I am with you always. So we're doing it on the authority of Jesus, and we're not doing it on our own. And so by now, you're probably sensing where this is going, and you're probably either feeling empowered or anxious. Let's try to make it doable. Let's make it doable. Between now and Easter, between now and Easter, that's quite a bit of time, have one conversation. One conversation. Just one. You can do more if you want to, but have one conversation. Take an honest attempt at it. And I'll join you in this challenge. I've got, I've got people I can talk to. I've got, I've got neighbors. And I can, I'll join you in this challenge as, as well. Have one conversation. 
And now let's take a moment to pause and think about the excuses we could be making for why we wouldn't do this, because this is exactly what I did while I was thinking through this. It might be something like, I don't know what to say. Well, if we look back at the verse, Jesus said, teach them all I've commanded you. Teach them all I've commanded you. In other words, disciples, tell them what you know about me. Tell them what you know about me. And I think the same is true for us. Just tell people what you know of Jesus. Doesn't matter how, how, how big your faith experience is, just tell them what you know of Jesus and trust that the authority and, and the presence of, of the Holy Spirit will, will take over from there. You don't have to have a thesis written, just tell them based on what you know. If you're on Facebook, there's gonna be a, a resource uh, posted there around noon today from the Billy Graham Association. Read that. It's some great tips on how to share your faith, some great helps, even, even a step-by-step process you can try if, if that would help you so you know what to say. Another excuse we might have is that we don't know any unbelievers. Everybody in our circle already believes, and honestly, that's not the way it should be. If we're carrying out the Great Commission, we need to be meeting and greeting and getting to know people who don't yet know Christ so we can introduce them to him. And so you've got between now and Easter, you've got a lot of time to meet someone. Could be somebody who uh, gets your meat at the deli counter, could be somebody who checks you out at the register, somebody in your office, somebody down the street. You've got opportunities to meet people. It's a lot of time to meet people. Maybe you're thinking this is too big of a step. This is too much. I mean, to go from zero to 100, that's a lot. Make it a little bit easier, but still challenge yourself in some way. Invite somebody to church. Just invite them to church and put the pressure on whoever is preaching that week. Uh, during the Lenten season, we're going to have a series called Jesus is Better. We're going to be talking about how good Jesus is talking about the grace we experience in him. It's a great time to invite somebody. So between now and Easter, bring somebody to church. And if you're sitting there thinking, I come to church, but I'm not a Christian. I don't believe all this stuff yet. Well, then give a Christian the opportunity to talk to you about it. Give a Christian the opportunity to talk to you about it. Call a friend or a family member you know who's a Christian. Give me a call. We can grab coffee. We'll talk about it. Let's all agree to have one conversation. One conversation. As you do this, you will be taking a risk, especially if it's something you haven't done before. And it might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but by definition, that's what happens when we step outside our comfort zone. But as you take this risk, you'll learn more of the faithfulness of God. And as you learn that he is faithful, regardless of how the person responds, as you learn that he is faithful, you're going to learn to love God more because you're going to learn that, that, that he backs up what he says in his word. You're going to find out that this is true. And so you'll love him more, and you'll be willing to risk more. You'll be able to risk again. And you'll keep that cycle going. And as you get to love him more, you'll want to tell other people about him. And you'll see that obeying Matthew 28, 19, and 20 isn't so bad if we just get out of our comfort zone. Let's finish by dreaming. Let's finish by casting a dream here. Imagine a church 
Imagine a church where the Great Commission is more than a favorite Bible verse. Imagine a church where the Great Commission is more than a favorite Bible verse. Imagine a church that isn't inhibited by comfort zones. Imagine what can happen even in in this very church between now and Easter if we all have that one conversation. Imagine what can happen if we risk for God and get to know him better and fall more in love with him and take even more risks for him. Imagine what can happen when we do what Jesus has commanded in these two verses. Just imagine what can happen when we step out of our comfort zone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son as our Savior, as our example, as our teacher. And now as the church, he's the head of it, and he's given a command He said to go make disciples. He said to tell people about him. Help us to do that. I admit that that this whole idea can be very uncomfortable. But I also admit that I've been comfort zoned in my faith far too long. So I pray that for me, I pray that for everybody else in this room, that we would step out of our comfort zones to see you bring this commandment to life, to see you in new and deeper ways so we can know you more and love you more and risk more for you. Father, even now, I pray that you would bring people to mind that we can talk to, people we can have a conversation with. I pray that as we approach the edge of our comfort zone, you would just overcome us with your comfort and your power and the ability to just say, I love somebody enough to tell them about Jesus. Help us to do that. Help us to live out a faith that we say is based on Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.